Hey guys, if you like listening to us, um, you can follow us on Twitter or email us. Follow us on Twitter at writer, W-R-T-R, bagel, B-A-G-E-L, basket, B-S-K-T, on Twitter, or email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to do. Submit fan art. Submit a logo. Do anything, because we want to hear from you. And if you have show suggestions, email them. Cole, my most excellent friend. Yes, Scott? I have no idea what we should do for your first summer flopbuster. What do you think? I don't know, Scott. Maybe I can help, boys. (gasps) The The Ghost ghost of of George Carlin. Carlin! Yeah, shut up. Maybe you guys should watch Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. That's a most excellent idea. So, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. to be a farmer. Here's a couple of acres. Sorry, Jeff. You lose. It Professor Plum. I said Plum. The men you seek think you are dead, Kimosabe. We're gonna pass for the start of the Bernoulli Convergenator. If he puts a car in fifth gear, he can jumpstart the whole thing. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kerland, and we continue Summer Flopbuster with a regular to the show, but this is your first Summer Flopbuster. Who's my co-host? It's me, Cole. So, Cole, my brother-in-law, uh, what did we watch? We watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So, here's a little backstory of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Pause for water. Ah, damn it, I spilled it all over me. <laughs> you animal. <laughs> In the winter of 1989, Orion Pictures had a smash hit with the Elks Winter Keanu Reeves starring vehicle Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Made for $10 million, Excellent Adventure made back $40 million, so it was only natural that Orion would make a sequel two years later with what was originally titled Bill and Ted Go to Hell. However, the studio thought that the title was too extreme for a Bill and Ted movie and changed it to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. With a budget of $20 million and more special effects and graphics, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey premiered in theaters on July 19, 1991. Sadly, the film made back only $38 million, proving to be seen as a failure in the eyes of Orion Pictures. Ironically, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Tribune and... Siskel and Ebert gave the film three out of four stars, when Gene Siskel gave the film only two and a half stars. But what could have possibly gone wrong to make this film be marked in the red? Any chance for a sequel for 1993 or 1994 was put on hold. How could this happen? Well, for starters, this was the third sequel to be released in two weeks. The first movie was Problem Child 2, another slight commercial failure. The second film was the most successful film of 1991, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Another factor was the fact that previous to Bill and Ted coming out, one week before, another Keanu Reeves movie came out called Point Break. So let's talk about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Station! Okay, so Cole. 
in comparison to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, how do you feel about Bogus Journey? I really like Bogus Journey. I like Bogus Journey, too. But Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is, like, one of my favorite comedies of all time. I think it's hysterical and funny, and it's so 80s that I I can't even go on. Like, the 80s-ness. And this feels like a 90s movie. It, It really captures the 90s. Yeah, especially when they have a uh, uh, what's his face from Faith No More. I'm sorry, not a nice James Martin. James Martin, or as they say in this movie, Sir James Martin, which makes you believe that a an American songwriter got knighted by the Queen of England. <laughs> Let's go through this. So taking place. So is this supposed to be two years later also, or is it supposed to be five years? Because Bill and Ted like comment that Missy and them have been with them for like five years. Not Missy. Um. Uh, the princesses. I always assumed it was the college years for them. Like, they just never went to college after high school. Yeah, I mean, because they're working at Pretzels and Cheese. Yeah, so I always assumed this is... Uh, what grade were they? They were in high school in the last they, one, right? They were, like, juniors or seniors in the first one. And in this one, they're, they're you know, supposed to be college age, but they never say. And I I thought it was... I liked how they kind of kept the same tone of the first movie where it opens up with them in the future with George Carlin. and But George Carlin, this is two years later, and George Carlin looks significantly older. Yeah, he's rocking that ponytail. Not just the ponytail, but his hair is much whiter, and he looks a lot older than Rufus in the first one. And it's only been two years, so... Gee, oh, actually, that's not true, because the first Bill and Ted was made in, like, 1986-87 and wasn't released until 88. So, that might explain a lot. The silver hot fox <laughs> hit yeah, him he, like a bat. Yeah, but he looks he looks more, you know, older. He's haggard. Like, he looks Kevin Smith-style, like George Carlin, like in um, Dogma. Dogma. Yeah. Yeah, so... I, I I always thought this scene was weird where he's in he's a professor. They never established that that Rufus was a professor in the first one, like he's teaching at the Bill and Ted Institute or University. I just gathered from the first movie that he was a big fan of theirs, who wanted to travel back in time and like mentor them, kind of. Like but he it was feels, their time mentor. But it feels like in this one they go from being like Bill and Ted, like save the world to like there's a university and the clothes. I like I like the future world. In the first Bill and Ted? Because they're all in like this tribunal thing that they come out and they start doing the air guitars. And this one's like totally different. That scene still to this day makes me cry. Really? Like like I get so misty eyed when Clarence Clemens goes, it's you. And he's like, yeah, it's us. Who are we? Oh. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes! Well, gotta get back to our report. Yeah, we take you with us, but it's a history report, not a future report. <laughs> like, like that scene when they all come out and they're doing the air guitar. Oh, it makes me cry. <laughs> like, it's so beautiful. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Whole series. Also, I get that song stuck in my head. The In Time by Robbie Rob. 
Yeah, this as comparison to that, it's like a total different tone shift. And they kind of like, okay, we have to come up with some sort of a future scene right. to open this. And I, they just kind of cheesed it with, like, university. We well, have the, a university. The guy who directed this was Peter Hewitt. And, and his vision is much different than the first film. Because Peter Hewitt also directed The Borrowers and Tom and Huck and Zoom and Garfield. So he's a very big, like, kids director. But for Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted is more of a teenager adult thing. So, like, that's where it doesn't mesh. But I still love this movie. I still think this movie's great. Yeah, I, it doesn't detract from my, my love for Bill and Ted. Right, just their clothes. Like, the costumes in the future are really bad. Like, it looks like Xenon, girl of the 21st century. Yeah, and the the previous one, they all just wore like dark leather jackets and stuff like that. Yeah, right? they and wore sunglasses. Like, yeah, they wore like shiny leather, uh, silver coats. Where here, everyone looks like they just came out of, like a commercial for Bop It or they for Skip It. Fell into styrofoam. Not just the styrofoam, but also the spandex and bright neon colors. Oh, it's so bad. It attacks your eyes. And George Carlin's like, "Yeah, wasn't I wearing a trench coat in the first movie? What the hell happened? Where's my cocaine?" Sorry, George. You got uh, you got tenure now. <laughs> but the bad guy in this film is played by Joss Joss Ackland, who was in The Mighty Ducks. He played Hans. He was also in uh, our D2, The Mighty Ducks. He played Hans's cousin, Hans. Like, I never understood that. Like, it was like Hans and Jans. Or, it never made sense. But he was also in another uh, Disney flop called A Kid in King Arthur's Court. He was King Arthur. Oh, okay. So he plays Denomalous in this. Chuck Denomalous. Chuck Denomalous. Who, like, they, they show him and you're like, oh, he has this master plan. And then when you find out his like who he really is, it's so it's so ridiculous, and it actually kind of makes sense. We'll get there. <laughs> Easy, Tiger. I was gonna say I was about to. <laughs> no spoilers for the next ten minutes, but he created like how did he create these these really good, like not quite human Bill and Ted r- evil robots, and their robots kind of look like they came from a vending machine. <laughs> Yeah, and they're very lifelike. They have sentience. They can think for themselves. Uh, he, he's programmed hate and emotions into them. Uh, my my favorite joke that they keep doing in this movie is when uh, they're like, oh, no. He's like, and my evil compatriots, and it's Bill and Ted. And they're like, everyone in the future is like, no, not Bill and Ted. And then they lift up their shirts, and they reveal that they're robots. And my favorite joke that they keep doing is at least one person just crosses his eyes, rolls their eyes into the back of their head, and passes out. Like, <gasps> That's the perfect time to go up to them and, like, rip out their circuitry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hold on. We'll prove we're robots. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, to think that, uh, oh, yeah, um, so not just that, but Andy Sandberg always comments that when he watches Bill and Ted or Bogus Journey or even sees them now, they're still like... Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves still look the same. And they're still, like, cut. They're still, like, chiseled out of, like, marble. They need 
to take all these actors and them, make a Paul Highland re- reboot and yeah. just put them in it. Like Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, uh, Paul Rudd, Adam Scott, Rob Lowe. Like, just make Highlander with all of these actors who still look phenomenal for being in their 50s. I also love that the people that he brings back, that, that Rufus brings back, is Einstein, not a musician, but Johann Sebastian Bach, James Martin of Faith No More, and then some future lady that they made. Oh, no, he doesn't bring back uh, Einstein. It's Thomas Edison. Edison, Edison. So I expect at some point there was a lecture on how to kill an elephant with electricity. (laughs) I I imagine, like, Rufus going back, like, right as Topsy is about to walk on the thing, and he's like, Hey, Edison, you want to get in this time machine? Sure, I was about to kill this elephant. I wouldn't do Do that if I was you. I don't know why that's my impression of George Carlin, like some weird mix of Peter Falk and George Carlin. Hiya, boys! And what I what I never understood is the same joke that they did in the first one of how they got um, Napoleon in, into the real world is the same way that Rufus ends up in the real world. Evil Bill and Ted just get sucked in um, in the time machine, in the phone booth, which... If you could have the DeLorean or the phone booth, what would you prefer? Oh, the DeLorean. I would want the phone booth for a replica for for like to have in my home. Oh, I thought you meant in real life. No, I mean in real life. Like, like if was, you could no, have a like movie, it prop. would operate. Well, a what if scenario? Yeah, I mean the DeLorean. But would be... yeah, if we're being, yeah, because the DeLorean's taking up too much space and it's impractical. Yeah, you can put the the phone booth in like the corner of your house, like if you have like a man cave or something. Yeah. I I just I always loved the phone booth. I always wanted it. And apparently originally they were going to do a car for the first Bill and Ted. No. But but then Back to the Future came out and they're like, "Let's not do that." I like the phone booth. The phone booth is awesome, which is also a callback to Doctor Who. Doctor Who, a TARDIS. I I just love that when we see Bill and Ted in the real world, they still haven't learned to play their instruments. No, they suck. Like, you'd think that they would find out that they're these saviors and that they would take lessons. No. No. They don't. Pure confidence. And that's the joke. They're like, well, we're supposed to, so I guess it's supposed to naturally happen, dudes. I also love their fake, like, San Dimas accents, like these fake California accents where they're always like, whoa, no way. Excellent. And then that voice just kind of stuck with Keanu in real life. Yeah. I love Keanu Reeves. I have stated it on this podcast, and I am so glad I finally get to do a Keanu Reeves movie. I love Keanu Reeves so much. And as as Ted, like I think my my love for his characters go John Wick, then Ted, then uh, Johnny Utah, then Neo. I was going to say Johnny Utah is, absolutely has to be on that list. Johnny Utah is definitely on that. I am the police. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick Swayze Ghost. I feel like they're like, we're going to make a Bill and Ted at some point stay in character, no matter what. Well, it never leaves me, so okay. <laughs> uh, Keanu as as Ted is just, mwah, like, kiss in the air. He is fantastic. He was made for this role. He really was. So was Alex Winter. And I find it funny that Keanu Reeves ended up just being this huge superstar, but Alex Winter became, like, this documentarian 
and this, like, he directs TV movies. He directs a lot of uh, the Cartoon Network movies, like the Ben 10 live action stuff. Oh, really? But he also is a huge documentarian, and he makes movies about, like, the dark web and, and, oh. and technology. I, I just find it fascinating that these two men became superstars in different, like, trajectories. Realms. And, like, when I looked up their net worth of how much they're both worth, I'm not going to say it on the air because I don't want anyone robbing Alex Winter. But they're worth, they're both worth a lot of money. And that makes me happy that they didn't end up like the kid from, that I told you about on Small Wonder who ended up getting a... Oh, he's, like, homeless? He's, like, homeless and his money was stolen by a stripper. Oh. (laughs) I'm glad that we don't read in the newspaper that Alex Winter's money was stolen by, by, like... A stripper. Or just a stoner musician. Hey, that's my money. I, the, the thing I love, you like, you said you like Bill better. I like Ted better. I just, I love how happy-go-lucky Ted is. Where Bill, yeah, he's kind of an optimist, but he's more of the, the hey, don't do that. He's the one who yells at station. He's the one who kind of yell, gets mad at death. Where Ted, on the other hand, is just like, huh, okay. I will say, in comparison to the first movie, in this one, Bill is a lot more hostile towards people. Like, he tells Ted to shut up on a like a well, almost regular basis. Well, he does that on the first one, too. But it's mainly with, dude, she's your mom. Shut up, Ted. That, yeah. That's like his catchphrase. But in this one, he is more like, shut up, Ted. Shut up, Ted. Shut up, evil lusses. Yeah, and then when the uh, evil lusses come back and they're like oh we're just you from the future we're here to help you get the babes back because they they set it up so that scene i love that scene so much because evil evil robot bill is trying to be like okay so this is like when mel blank is doing daffy duck doing an impression of bugs bunny and it's so different it's alex winter doing an impression of himself doing an impression of himself How's it going, Bill and Ted? Ted, it's us again. How's it going, Bill? Not bad, Bill. You? Bad. We came to help you guys in your most unfortunate situation. Like, because evil Bill is like, how's it going, Bill? Not bad, how are you? I'm fine. Like, like how he's trying to be nice and polite like the real Bill is so funny. And Keanu's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, they're both great in this. And this was like, Keanu, the movies he made in between doing like Bill and Ted, he did like Parenthood and he did The River's Edge or Razor's Edge. And he did um, a bunch of really bad um, uh, rom-coms with... James Spader and like Lori Laughlin, where Alex Winter mainly did these because he was working on his passion project, which is a movie called Freaked. Did, have you seen Freaked? Yes, you gave me the DVD. And oh, that, watched. it's messed up. That movie is, and that's what this movie felt like. I would have preferred if like Alex Winter directed this because he directed Freaked two years later. So I would have loved for him to direct this because a lot of the the way this film is shot, especially when they go to hell feels like what he did with freaked yeah it's it's it fits and it's more natural and organic towards the story and oh my god can we please talk about when 
when we finally meet death um death is based off of the seventh seal yeah the seventh seal it's william sadler from shawshank redemption because uh spoiler alerts uh evil bill and evil ted throw them off uh what is the famous set of rocks uh whatchamacallit uh from star trek yeah not just star trek but they did it in uh everything sucks uh Dominguez Rock. Dominguez Rock. Um, they toss them off of it and kill them. But the Bill and Ted wake up, palette change, because they're all gray and white, like ghosts. Like like in Seven Seal. But what what I love, how how dumb they are to even get talked into to doing that, is because they just propose to the princesses, and then five seconds later they get a phone call saying, Oh, we're breaking up with you. They just said they would, they would marry you. What makes you think they're gonna drop out of the band and never want to see you again? Like, because they're idiots. <laughs> they're sweet idiots. Sweet, lovable idiots. Um, who but, would you think would win in like a battle to the death, Bill and Ted or Wayne and Garth? Hmm. I think Garth would probably kill either Bill or Ted. Because he he's like some, change. somehow ridiculously smart and able to do all this stuff. You mean like with the stun gun? Yeah, like he I built like a stun play. gun. I like to play. <laughs> Excuse me, I want to get through. Hey, Bill and Ted. Hey, Garth. Zap, zap. They're so easy to kill. Like, like the way that Bill and Ted, evil Bill and Ted, the evil robot uses. The way that they get them into the car is like, we're going to help you. And then they're like, they're not here. We're going to kill you. You know what you would do in a normal situation like that? Run. You would run. It doesn't matter if they're robots and they would chase you. Eventually, you could find a rock. Because you know what could easily kill a robot? Oh. A, a very heavy rock. <laughs> or they have a van that has like a metal. They have guitars in the van. <laughs> I don't think the guitars would do anything, but but a heavy rock would probably kill the evil robot asses. Just imagine, what what if you thought that they end up dying? Because I told you that the original teaser trailer for this, and I can't find it anywhere, but I remember watching like a VHS copy of like the Mighty Ducks, or or I forgot what the movie. I think it was the Karate Kid, or Ooh, Karate Kid. I was watching a VHS movie, and they had a trailer. For this and it was them falling to their death like when when they're when they're falling for eternity they're like Whoa! <sighs> hey we've been falling a really long time bill and dead's bogus journey like that would appear i can't find that trailer anywhere if anyone can find that tag us on twitter at writer bagel basket all about vo- no vowels all vowels no vowels and and just please find that and upload it because I would love to see that original teaser trailer. Um, so getting back to where we're at, they 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 are killed, and they wake up, and death is there to greet them. Once again, they are so easily killed. Killed. Like, like it doesn't matter that the other ones are robots. The way that they're just holding them, and I love the way they shot the scene. They shot it so that there's enough space you can see enough space because they clearly did the the double matted screen yeah um so there's enough space between keanu reeves and alex winter and the evil keanu reeves 
and the good Alex Winter. Like, there's enough space between them to throw them off. It's it's so stupidly perfect. It just works. Um, and then they are killed. The evil Bill and Ted spit on their corpses. <laughs> I totally spit on myself. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. They love spitting on stuff. The evil ones love spitting on stuff, and they love crushing cats or trying to crush cats. And I said to you, who are they, Alf? And then I had to explain to you why. Yeah, sorry, spoiler. I've I've never seen Alf, only in commercials. Yeah, you're like, that's what Alf does? Yeah, he likes eating cats. Hey, Cole, it's me, Alf. Want to go get a nice calico? No. Oh, come on. Get out of my house. Deep fried, baked, stuffed, broiled, sautéed, grilled. I don't care. I'll do it. I'm your buddy, Alf. Will you get out of here? Jesus Christ, Alf. I'm trying to take a shower. What? What's that guy doing underneath you? I'm a puppet. <laughs> uh, I, got, I gotta do an episode of Alf. There's an episode where he falls in love with a blind woman. Oh. Yeah. Annie Hoosel. So, Death appears, and it's William Sadler doing the fakest Swedish accent. I am Death. Hello. <laughs> Hello. If you want to beat me at a game, you'll be free to do whatever you want. I, I think that, like, the Swedish accent is the funniest accent. Like, you can say anything, and it sounds so funny. I just hit your dog with a cur. I'm so sorry. He died very quickly. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have herpes? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm so sorry if the area's in flame. Rub some cream on it. Here's some cream. Uh, the Swedish accent is just... Apologies to anyone in Sweden. We love you guys. Come on the podcast. Um, anyways, but just his his fake Swedish accent is so playfully offensive. Yeah, it's very, like, phoned in. Yeah, it, it's very... William Sadler, who is in Shawshank, as I said before... But he's also the president in the MCU, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's the president mm. in... Yeah. He is a, a president of... William Sadler. Yeah. Let's just call him President William Sadler. But is there any way back? You may challenge me to a contest. But if you lose, you will remain here in the afterlife forever. What if we win? <laughs> no one has ever won. Oh, he's so good in this. He's so good as death. And, and he hasn't really aged either. No, he hasn't. Like, he's aged the way, like... Like a fine rabbi steak. I was going to say a fine, you know, uncle. <laughs> like, like you can't believe your uncle looks exactly the same. Yeah? No? Maybe? Yeah. Shut up. I just... The way they tricked Death. Do you want to talk about that? Um, so, I had no idea what a Melvin was, by the way. N- no, neither did I. So basically, they have a quick little powwow right in front of Death. Like he's. They do that a lot. Not even a foot away. Like when they propose to the princesses, they're they want to be in private because they wrote the same exact thing, but they're probably five feet away. They are five feet away. Um, and this, there's right in front of them. And they're like, whoa, we gotta, we gotta get rid of this Death guy. 
And so they're like, Melvin. And they immediately go up to him, grab him by his underoos, and then Melvin him. Yeah, where they just take his underwear and put it over his head. And everything that they do after this is ridiculous. Oh, evil Bill and Ted steal a Porsche. They do. Yeah, the funny thing is their Porsche that they stole looks exactly like the Porsche that Jerry Seinfeld has in real life. Oh. (laughs) How great would that be if they just stole Jerry Seinfeld's car? Like, hey, what are you doing? This is my car. No. Come on. (laughs) I have Gallagher in the back. We're going to go get coffee. (laughs) Committees and cars getting coffee with Gallagher. Gallagher, will you stop smashing all these watermelons? I don't know what a Gallagher impression sounds like, so... Uh, it's just a really bad southern accent. Sorry, man. That's just Gallagher. How did that man ever get famous? I have no idea. Just smashing watermelons, I guess. Uh, so they steal a Porsche, and the the evil Bill and Ted aren't evil as much as they're just playfully misogynist. <laughs> like, like when Bill and Ted, as ghosts, run away from death. Oh, their ghosts look so much like peter jackson's the frighteners Mm. they really do like even when when the princesses walk through them it looks they wig out and everything just like them yeah and um so they they walk around kind of just observing what everyone's doing they uh truman show style the truman show style and then they get to ted's dad who is a no no they, they go to um their apartment first. Oh yeah, they see what the evil Bill and Ted are doing, and, and they're <laughs> evil Bill and Ted are trying to force themselves on the princesses who are chased. They are chased away. Run, run, you sweet delicate princesses! I would love for. I wish there was a line there like, "We escaped King Henry the Eighth for this." Yeah. Um. I I said to you, the princesses are not the same princesses from the first film, and that made me upset. Uh, I haven't seen the first one in a while, so I didn't really notice. Well, I didn't care about the sec. I didn't care about Joanna, um, who is, she's the one in the first one who's like. Uh, so Diane Franklin is one of the princesses. She's Elizabeth, and she's actually doing the British accent. She's like, Rufus took us to the mall, and then the other one, the one who's playing Joanna, I don't know the actress who played her, she, in a very American accent, and gave us credit cards like. Diane Franklin's trying over here. Diane Franklin was also in Better Off Dad. She played the French girl, and she was in this, and she had the British accent. I would have loved for Diane Franklin to come back as Keanu Reeves' girlfriend. But they got someone else. Was it through scheduling conflicts, or just... I don't, I don't yeah. know. Well, no idea. So they see this happen, and they're like, we got to do something. we got to warn someone. And they go to, uh... <laughs> Where did they go, Scott? They go to the police station, um... Where Bill and Ted have the brilliant idea of pulling an exorcist, like Exorcist one and two, one and three. I love how they comment on the fact that only the first and third Exorcist movies are good, and the second one is just utter bullshit. <laughs> I feel I I have no idea. I don't know if that was like a Chris Matheson Ed Solomon joke, the guys who wrote this, but it, it was a great dig. So, Ted goes into his dad's body. And proceeds to... I don't know who the actor is. Uh, the actor who plays the dad... Oh, I love when the dad... I'm, I'm finding out who the actor is who plays the dad. If my iPad will work. But the actor who plays the dad... Um, 
does a really good Keanu Reeves impression. Yeah, he does. He's like, whoa. Okay, dudes. Well, I mean, fellow policemen. My son, Ted Theodore Logan, and his friend, Bill S. Preston Esquire, have been murdered and replaced by evil robots from the future. You totally did it, dude. I totally possessed my dad. Whoa, fellow police officers. That's because he has to correct. He's like, hey, dudes. And he's like, looks officers, at, uh, fellow policemen. It's like, we got to go uh, rescue the, the princesses and avenge the murders of my son. And I, al- his friend. I also love how they do the um, the guitars in this movie for the for the air guitars because Bill and Ted's is just like a classic electric guitar, but for Evil Bill and Ted, it's shred metal. Which I hadn't noticed until you actually pointed it out. And then for um, for his dad, for uh, for Ted's dad, did you notice what it was? It was like an old timey. It was an acoustic guitar. Acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That that brilliant. Utterly, utterly brilliant. So the guy who played Hal Landon Jr. is Ted's dad. And he was in Eraserhead. He was in uh, The Artist. He was in that... He was in Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Yeah, he's he's done... He's still working today, so that's good. I was going to say, I've seen him in L.A. Noir as an old man. Yeah, he's in L.A. Noir. Um, but I love his Keanu Reeves impression because it is so Keanu Reeves. It like spot on. It's pretty spot on. But then the guy that that Bill jumps into, the deputy chief of police, sergeant, yeah, our sergeant, he's like, sorry, dudes. He's like, ooh, curlers, <laughs> curlers. You mean crawlers? Curlers. Curl. Can't shake that Midwestern accent. I wish I wish he had one of those uh, Midwestern uh, Southern accents I love. The ones that are kind of raspy like this. <laughs> hey, you dudes, party on! Anyone have some water? I'm quite parched. Like Little Gideon. <laughs> Little Gideon is more like up here, but um, when when they're possessing their bodies, the way they actually walk is exactly like Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves as Bill and Ted, like. The de- the attention to detail for this movie, I'm shocked that it like has 54% rotten or rotten tomatoes where the first one has 78%. Because this movie is really well done. Like, yes, it's stupid and over the top, but this was 1991. Look at the other movies that came out this year. Um, Problem Child 2, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, Dutch with Ed O'Neill. Like... This was the time period of stupid humor. Like, and, and it was okay. Roseanne and She-Devil, like, now I'm, now I'm just saying movies that could have easily been on this podcast. You've never heard of She-Devil? No. Uh, Roseanne is left by her husband, played by Ed Bakley Jr., for Meryl Streep. Okay. You're speechless. That doesn't sound like a movie that should exist. It it shouldn't, but it does. And I'm, I I can't get over how like perfect they got the electric guitars, like the air guitars, because Bill and Ted they clearly are like that type of 
Eddie Van Halen, and then the shred metal for Evil Bill and Ted. And Station, their guitars, it, it almost sounds like like Astro, like space. Yeah, it's it's a little more pitchy. Yeah. Say. And then the princesses, when they do it, it it's just Bill and Ted's, which yeah. makes sense. It's like a little off. Their energy is connected. Yes, they're perfect for each other, which apparently in the third one that they're making, oh, uh, no. they're divorced. No! No! Um, it would be great if he, he was married to Missy, if Bill was finally married. Oh, God. She's your mom, dude. Now she's my lover. We totally had sex last night in my dad's old bedroom. What? Is that not okay? No! Uh. Shut up, Ted. <laughs> I lo- oh, so this is oh we this is the scene we were dying over the the seance scene with Missy when when they actually do the exorcist because her friends are so dumb one one of them looks like um uh, either Mark McKinney or Scott Thompson from the Kids in the Hall the one who goes Clark Gable Gable Clark like Gable the names that they're saying saying for like. President Calvin Coolidge. No, it's like President Chester. Oh, MacArthur. Chester, Chester A. Arthur. Yeah, I'm and wrong. it's like really. <laughs> well, the, the one that got me is what Missy said. Ty, Ty Cobb. Cobb. Is Missy racist? <laughs> mm, yeah. I want a guy who will beat the hell out of me, make horribly racist comments, and probably go to a brothel. <laughs> Clark Gable. <laughs> that guy just kills me every single time he's just so stupidly happy to be there i'm just a day player i have three scenes in this movie good for you i'm just happy to be here uh so when bill and ted actually try and and you know connect with them missy she wanted to to connect with the ghost this whole time and then she freaks out when she does all because they warned them that Bill and Ted have been murdered. Yeah, like, shouldn't you be like, that's my sons? Like, shouldn't she be worried about them? No. Evidently not, because she immediately wants to get rid of that problem fast. Yeah, also, Bill and Ted totally perv out on Missy. They check out her bust and cleave. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. Thanks, movie. That was unnecessary. <laughs> and then they go to hell. Well, then they're falling for, like, five minutes. Want to play 20 questions? Sure. Vegetable or mineral? Mineral. Are you Tank? Yeah! <laughs> like, how how happy they are when the other person figures out something. Th- that's just what a good friendship is. Like, the one thing I, I have to say about Bill and Ted is that they do prove what a good friendship they have. They... Their vows are basically the same. Probably right. because they wrote them together. But... Probably. Also, they don't do that thing like, Oh, you're an idiot. You messed up. You're the reason... Like, th- this is a great example of a friendship where they actually really support each other and they know that being rude to each other and, and just being dicks isn't going to accomplish anything. And when they're being brought to the kill site for when they're killed by the evil Ted... Uh, evil Ted... Bill and Ted. Evil robot us's. Evil robot. That's where I'm... Yeah. Um, the evil Bill is, like, yelling out to shut up and everything. is kind of doing what Bill has done in the beginning of the movie. He's like, wow, that's how it feels. And Hey, that hurts. <laughs> and when, ah. when when they get to hell... So, um, 
Frank Welker, who is the voice of Scooby Doo, he's Fred in Scooby Doo. He's he's also Ray and Slimer on Ghostbusters. He plays three voices. Technically four, if you want to get technical. But he plays three voices, and the first voice he plays is Satan. 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 I have to say, Hell is pretty cool. Yes, the the effects in this movie for Heaven and Hell are super outdated, and they look so cheesy, and yeah, I'll probably take off a bagel for that, but it still looks pretty cool. Out of the two, you know, I would probably want to go to Hell. Really? I'd want to visit. I, I don't like the color palette of heaven in this movie. I don't. Yeah, I don't like it at all. But you're tortured in hell. At least that's a cool aesthetic. All for the aesthetic, Scott. Oh, screw you. <laughs> but the devil, they're like, come on, Satan. Will you help us out? Sure. See, he's not bad. He's the devil, you morons. And trapdoor. The, the hell scene always scared me as a kid. Like, as a kid, it always scared the shit out of me. Uh, especially Alex Winter as Grandma S. Preston Esquire. Oh, the teeth. And they they the, even paid attention to the details. Of with like, the hair on her jowls. Yep. Like, oh. It's like, give me a kiss. And then she... Happy Esquire. No way! Has like the crusted over teeth and she's got like the white stuff in the corners of her mouth and the hairy mole and just the hairy jowl. I will say anyone playing Bill and Ted, whether it's the little kids or, you know, Ted's dad, they do a really good job. They do. They they really do. And this is, the Easter Bunny is Frank Welker again, but terrifying as hell. I did not like the Easter Bunny scene at all. <laughs> you stalked it, Easter Biscuit. No way. This was ten years ago. Uh-huh. Theater! <laughs> like... You stalked it, Easter Biscuit. <laughs> and, like, this is his Slimer voice, like... But <laughs> now return to the Ghostbusters. <laughs> and he's just hopping after him. Oh, that, that scene is terrifying. And when... Not just that, but, like, Colonel Oaks from Oaks Military, like, hell is their version of hell. And it's pretty well done. And this is my favorite scene in the whole movie coming up. When they're like, oh, I guess we're going to have to challenge death. And he just shows up. And them playing games against death, because in Seventh Seal, they, he plays a chess, a chess match. And he beats death. In this one, it's all games from, like, the 90s. uh, 70s and 80s. It's all Milton Bradley games. So it's, like, Battleship and uh, Clue and Twister. And the little uh, uh, football. Uh, Electric football from the 70s. I just just love how every time Death loses, he just goes, two out of three. And then it's like, what's the other one with the football? He's like... Three out of five. He's like, best... Oh, seven out of nine. Eleven out of fourteen. Alex is like, best 7 out of 10. He's like, you're damn right. <laughs> you're damn right. That's my favorite. That cracks me out whenever he does it. Best 3 out of 5. I don't believe this guy.
Best of seven? Damn right! And then they do <laughs> Twister. Oh, the Twister scene is the best. And this is another example of Bill and Ted actually being good sportsmen. The, Bill and Ted, yeah, they're kind of idiots, but they're never stoners. Like, everyone always says stoner humor is Bill and Ted and Wayne and Garth. But they're not stoners. You never see them smoking weed or doing drugs. They're just kind of, you never see them. Oh, you see Bill and Ted have a beer in this one. I thought it was Pepsi. No, the princesses have Pepsi. They have uh, Miller Lite. <gasps> Sponsor of the movie, dude. It ruined my good Christian values of oh, Bill and Ted. So, um, when they do finally beat Death, Death has to take them wherever they want, so they want good robot usses. So he takes them to heaven to meet Station. And uh, when they actually get to heaven, I said, <laughs> don't you think that they're going to be like born-again Christians after this, and all of their music would be like Christian rock? All right, this is about a good friend of mine. His name is God. Oh, God damn, damn it. it. Not again. Hey, Bill, want to sing your song about Jesus? Uh, no. <laughs> Come on. Well, all right. Jesus is most excellent. <laughs> and you lost the Battle of the Bands. I love how, like... So, uh, Denomalist says at the beginning that the first one was the first stage, the first movie was the first stage leading to Bill and Ted's triumph, and this movie, like, is clearly the second stage, and the second stage relies on this whole battle of the bands. When has battle of the bands ever meant anything to anyone in the real world except in the movies? It's always a battle of the bands. Hey, I was at a battle of the bands. I wasn't participating. I was just watching, but let me tell you. How many bands? Three. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. If this was like a real battle of the bands, they're acting like there was like 12 or 20 entries. A real battle of the bands is like two or three bands, and only one of them is okay at best. All of the ones at my school were pretty good. Um, we had a metal band that went all out. They had they were called like Sky Panther or something. Jeez, uh, I was at a battle of the bands where one band was really good, but the other one just did like Tool covers. Ew. Guys, you want to hear Schism again? No. no. So the whole movie lies like the crux of the movie. The reason why they have to get back is to save the princesses because Bill and Evil. Bill and Ted are going to murder the princesses. So, God sends them to Station. And Station is aliens. Just two little munchkin-sized aliens. Also, Frank Walker again. That's all. He sounds like Slimer. He totally sounds like Slimer. I, I do like them in this movie. I love Station. Station's great. But Station only, like, communicates in, like, one word. Like, I am Groot. Like, like, and I was saying to you, so Station, how did you die? Station? Uh-huh. Station. Oh, you were hanging out with Magic Johnson and Charlie Sheen. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then they did what? Station. How many people? Station. Oh, they shot you. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) Like, I would have liked Station's death to be, like, more, uh extreme where in in actuality their death probably like their spaceship exploded or like oh the gas tanks leak and we're just exposed don't like the match that's on 
<laughs> Arms reaching out. Oh, okay. So that's another indiscretion with the movie is um, at the beginning of the movie when they reveal um, James Martin of Faith No More, the first thing he says is, Station! And we don't know what that means at all. And then it's like, this is where it comes from, but it's like, how would he know that? Right, right. We don't find that out till like, halfway through the movie that it's Station. That the, it, like, the universe's smartest being. Yeah. We don't know that until halfway through the movie. And also, evil Bill and Ted say Station 2. Why would... They're evil. They don't want Bill and Ted to succeed. Why would they say Station? Why would Denomalous say Station? I mean, I unless... Because he's a man of science. He's like the hipster... Of that world, he's a very militant hipster. Uh, kind of, kind I, of. Yeah, I guess. I just, just Denomalous, as a villain, he only shows up... It, it was clear, clear that, like, Josh Ackland did not want to be there. So he's in the movie, like, for, like, five scenes. And then that is it. Yeah. The true villains are, you know, Bill and Ted. And once again, this is a super 90s movie. Um, so they get stationed, they are brought back to life. I love how they wake up and station's just there, like, So, son? <laughs> like, we were here the whole time. And then they're like, where's death? And death falling from the sky. <laughs> it kills me every time. Falls right on his nuts. He's like, how are you doing, buddy? I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, station. <laughs> death. Oh, so when when they go to build the robot, the good robots, um, they go to the Builders Emporium, which I guess is like uh, a Home Depot of sorts, like a Lowe's. But one joke from the first, well, not a joke, but one little Easter egg from the first movie is underneath the Builders Emporium, it says Oshman Sporting Goods, which was the sporting goods store that Genghis Khan destroyed in the first movie. And I love that they added that little detail. Yeah, they really add just a lot of nice small details. It's like it's a lot of thought went into it. I still would have loved that. Like they never sent Sigmund Freud and Billy the Kid back, and they're the guys who've run pretzels and cheese. Yeah. So William, do you still want to have uh, relations with your stepmother? Shut up, Freud. There he's like the customer service attendant. It's like I didn't like those pretzels. Like get out of here. <laughs> he just shoots, shoots them. them. William Bonney, Employee of the Month, six years running. I, I do wish they kind of had more historical figures throughout the movie. I That is one thing. I wish they did get... I understand why they didn't focus on the time element as much, because they did it in, in the, the first, first one. one. But, I mean, I guess conquering death. I mean, they could have brought Einstein with them. Because Einstein is in heaven. He's the one who figures out when St- Station is doing charades. He figures out it's smoking the bandit three. Smokey is the bandit. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, but bring Einstein with you. He's a nice guy. Oh, and I said to you, the guy who they got to play Einstein looks nothing like Einstein. He looks more like George Jessel, who is the basis for Zoidberg. Yeah. George Jessel was in uh, Arthur. He's the one who's like, oh, so you're the fancy pants rich man. How (laughs) does it feel to have all that money? Feels pretty good dumb question like and and that's that's what i saw because like his einstein impression when he's doing when he's supposed to be like ah smoky and the bandit three it's like sounds oh smoky and the bandit three smoky is the bandit like 
what is the movie uh, with Walter Matthau where he's Einstein? IQ. He seemed he looked more like Einstein in that movie than this man did. Yeah, like th- this guy looked like Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Look at me! Look at me! Come on, Charlie. Theory of relativity. The guy who looked like the guy who played Edison looked like Edison, but the guy who played Einstein looked nothing like Einstein. Other than the hair, that was it. <laughs> hair piece. The guy who played Edison was so much like Edison that on the set of the movie. He killed an elephant. Very method actress in this movie. <laughs> the Dan- what if this guy was just like Daniel Day-Lewis? <laughs> like, <laughs> Carl, Carl, did you bring an elephant on set? Yeah, so? Why? No reason. He's got like the jumper cables behind him. <laughs> Zap! <laughs> okay, that's why we're going with this uh, vaudeville actor to play Einstein. Smokey and the Bandit 3. Smokey is the Bandit. <sighs> oh, in 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 the charade scene when um you had no idea that there was a sequel or prequel to to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid because Death goes Butch and Sand and Sundance the early years that is a real movie and it's a real bad movie. I'm glad I I didn't know what it was. <laughs> now I'm I'm sad. Well, they did they did that the same year that they did the Sting too, and they didn't even get anyone back from the Sting. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so, this is where Bill, so once they leave the Builder's Emporium, when they're in the parking lot, this is where Bill is kind of a dick. This is why I I still like Ted better than Bill, because he's like, this is gonna work, this better work, right? Did you notice that he said that? Yeah, he's like, these worked the way we wanted them, right? And then that's when Station basically hulks out. Oh no, that's after. No, no, it, it's show. it's that scene where he says, this better work, right? And then oh, they... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then they basically... Merge. Merge. I was saying to you, wouldn't it be more efficient and, you know, time accurate if... I don't know. <laughs> one built one robot and the other one built the other robot? Well, we got Frank Welker here. We might as well use him. So you're doing a bunch of different uh, vocal hurdles. Now you're doing one giant station. Station. That so... sounds like Satan. <laughs> he just gets a Get little... Get it right, Frank! Come on, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-don't. You Scooby blew it. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on, Droopy Dog. Don't <laughs> This isn't fair, Station. I just, I just love Station so much. He's so gross-looking. Like, when I saw this movie... I saw this movie when I was probably five or six years old. And Station always creeped me out but not the way that you know the easter bunny did they look like uh what's that movie critters yeah they do look like critters they do look like over it it well orion also did critters so they probably just took one of the the critters and and just pulled out the teeth and they're like okay just expand the nose uh make it look more adorable and you get the semen station melts himself together. It's disgusting. It's gross, because it, it looks like vomit and diarrhea on the ground, and then he just forms. And they kind of degrade him. They're like, oh, you have a really nice butt. And he's like, yeah, station! <laughs> Thanks. Stop it. it I, I, do, I, I do have to say, I do love the scene where they're building the robots, um, because 
death is just making wigs for them. And he's like, I made the hair. I made the I made the hair. I drove, I got some of the parts, I helped see too. Like, I love how needy the Grim Reaper is. This is probably my favorite interpretation of the Grim Reaper next to Last Action Hero uh, Ian, Ian McKellen from the same movie. <laughs> so at the actual Battle of the Bands, I always thought when I was younger that the fight scene between the evil robots and the good robots was much longer. It's literally like one scene. Like one, one. It's, it's probably like five seconds long. Punch off their heads and then they blow them up. In the Battle of the Bands, the band before them was Primus. And I was like, oh, they're trying to fill out the soundtrack here because we have Faith No More and we have Primus. Yeah, Primus is uh, Primus. You had no idea who Primus was. No, and I don't care for them. <laughs> oh, what a sweet summer child you are. I say as I stroke your hair. Stop touching me. I'm sorry, Cole. If you want to keep this professional, please take your hand off my thigh. The Battle of the Band scene is insane because when when they come out, he goes, Hey, worms! And, like, crickets. Like, if this was a real band, of course, they would love being called worms. Like, the audience would... I was... Yeah, I was like, no, don't, don't, don't don't say, like, they're not gonna do that. Of course they're gonna play into it. Yeah, they'd be like, yeah, we're worms! We're worthless! I live in my mom's basement! (laughs) I don't know where I am! What is going on? Pam Greer's here! Oh yeah, Pam Greer is in this movie. Foxy Brown. For two scenes. Two scenes. She lets them in because they, they work at Pretzels and Cheese. Like, that's not a reason. And then we find out the real motives. It's Rufus. Because Rufus hitched a ride on top of the time machine using a guitar. Yeah, and and he, I guess, decided to pose as Pam Greer. What if he was Weird Al? What if Weird Al was running the Battle of the Bands? That would have been hilarious. That would have been great. After they kill the evil robots, Denomalous shows up. This is when Bill and Ted do the, the time game where they just go back and Denomalous is like, I can do that too. And no, he can't. Only the winner does that. And um, because I guess they uh, he's like, I will go back in time also and I will grab a key and I will grab a better gun. And the gun has a flag in it. It's a pop gun. They essentially just let him believe he won for like a couple scenes. Only the winners can actually do go back in time. So they just intentionally messed with him. Yeah, like the dicks they are. But there are dicks. There are dicks, Cole. Oh, also, how easy the princesses forgive them? Way too easy. Yeah, like when they realize, oh, they weren't trying to force themselves on us. This is our Bill and Ted, not those guys. But also, they made out with those other guys. Yeah, they did. And Bill and Ted weren't, like, upset or angry or anything. They're like, oh, they whacked them in the nuts. Good for them. Though they did force themselves. On True. Them. So it's... True. I'd be more like, you didn't know it wasn't us the entire time before that? And the way they kidnap uh, the princesses when they crash through Missy's house... And then, like, the next scene, Missy's house is fine. And they're just watching the Battle of the Bands after these robots knocked her out and then stole her nieces. Yeah. Or not nieces. I Daughters-in-law. daughter-in-laws. Yeah. The way, <laughs> the way they knock her out is because he has evil breath. Which I assume is, like, a noxious gas pr- uh, produced by his insides. I just I just love in this, this scene when they're like, oh, we still don't know how to play guitar. 
and they disappear for five seconds and then come back and it's been like three years they've been practicing guitar. Or 16, 16 months. 16 months. They've had kids. They're married now. Yeah. Uh, Bill has a super long ZZ Top beard. And Ted looks like uh, Robin Hood. Yeah, and he's got like a BMX uh, style outfit matched with like a catcher's. Well, it's a baby Bjorn. Well, no, I'm just saying like On his, the back, there's a baby Bjorn. With the, his signature smiley face. Yeah. Uh, I love how they tried to establish, like, costumes wearing the first one. They're just wearing normal clothes. <laughs> like, it's clear that, that this is their costume. Because Bill and Ted, evil Bill and Ted, their costume looks exactly like the other ones. That, And it's clear that that was to save money and save time. But wouldn't they have, like, different costumes to, to differentiate? Well, they are poor. True. This is very true. And I love when they come back. The song they play to save the world is God Saved Rock and Roll. Which I guess that's where the Christian rock element comes in. Um, also, Death is made their bassist. Yeah. On, on the bongo drums, Station! Listen! And on Upright Bass, of course Death is playing the Upright Bass. And then he has this whole spiel. He's like, I love show business. And I, I said, I turned and I said to you, like, you know, he's the inventor of the 27 Club, right? <laughs> oh, hello, Heath Ledger. Hello, Kurt Cobain. Hello, Amy Winehouse. I'd love it if he, like, leaned over to Bill and Teddy's like, <laughs> see you in five years. Might I remind you to be careful about, I don't know why I'm, I'm divulging into a German accent. <laughs> Uh, hello. See you in five years. Oh, Be careful that... of the turning of the twenty-seven. That was one scene that you actually that you and I both loved. The scene when there he's in Osh, uh, not Oshman's. He's in the the Builders Emporium, and he sees the guy smoking the cigarette, and he just says, "See you real soon." <laughs> the movie ends, and they leave it on like a cliffhanger because they thought that this was gonna. I mean, I guess it's a cliffhanger. They just don't tackle the them writing the song that saved the world i always assumed that was the song that was gonna save the world. i did too but clearly it's not because they didn't watching it again they're not singing the song they're just playing yeah, the guitar playing. they're not singing it kiss is singing it because that's a kiss song so they just they never address the fact that they they save the world but we have all these newspaper clippings that are future events where they're just like top of the billboards they're saving the world but it never says that that the song brought world peace and that's what it is yeah and that's what the third movie was supposed to be about or still is going to be about they write the song finally that saves the world and i would love for it to be like a song that is kind of stupid like an i want it that way okay <laughs> what if it what if the what if it just turns into hearts beat loud because like the whole i guess the whole third movie is about them trying to reconnect with their sons and daughters Oh. It just turns into hearts beat loud. The robot <laughs> us is the good robot us is better be in it. <laughs> they sound like Nick Offerman, and then it's definitely hearts beat loud. Oh, Hello, Bill. Hello, Ted. Good to see you. Okay, bye. <laughs> I I love this movie, and as we've come to the end of the movie, what are you hoping for for the third movie? Um, death needs to be in it supposedly he's going to be um i was disappointed to learn that you said that him and the princesses are they're they're divorced from the princesses i guess that that's one rumor of the movie is that like 
they're kind of deadbeat musicians now, like Huey Lewis style. Um, and, well, Huey Lewis is because he went deaf and he can't sing anymore. Oh. But, but they kind of burned out. They don't really write music anymore, and they haven't written the song that saves the world. Oh. I would I would love for them to be like, they own like a chain restaurant, and they just perform every night there doing covers. Wild Stallion's Wings and ba- uh, Bar and Grill. <laughs> Wild Scallion. Wild Scallion. Hibachi cooking. <laughs> Wild Scallion. Who had the teriyaki beef and the bang bang shrimp? Just give me my food. Stefan! Stefan! <laughs> he washed his hands, right? Sorry, just got a large splash sound from the behind there. Wanna make sure. Uh I I'm excited. I'm glad it's gonna be called Bill and Ted Face the Music. I'm shocked that this was originally called and the the graphic novel our uh, Marvel comic series that they binded into a graphic novel back in the nineties was called Bill and Ted Go to Hell. That's a little dark. Because that's what this movie was originally called, was Bill and Ted Go to Hell. I can see why they were like, this is hard to market. Well, because, well, they don't just go to hell, they go to heaven, too. There's a lot of other, yeah, set pieces. That's only one small chunk of the movie, so. If they, if the entire movie was them escaping hell, which would have been, that would have been interesting if they had to, like, fight through, like, different historical figures in hell. You know the final boss would be Hitler. Oh, hello, boys. How are you doing? And then they'd Melvin him, and then it'd be they. Yes, because that's how you—that's how you fight Hitler. You Melvin Hitler. This Ugh. is the signature move. I mean, thinking of of other names, they could have called this Bill and Ted's most excellent religious adventure. <laughs> Bill and Ted meet God. <laughs> I would love for the movie to end. They just had such a profound religious experience. It ends instead of with them playing God Gave Rock and Roll to You. You just hear a ding dong. Hello, have you heard the good word of our Lord and Savior, Sir Joseph Smith? <laughs> they just become Mormons. Oh my god. Uh, so, Cole, how many bagels are you taking out? Um, I'm going to take out four. Four? Yeah. Okay, so there is. So, if you're new to the podcast, the way this works is that we watch a movie or TV show, then we record the podcast, and then we decide for our writer's bagel basket how many, there are 13 bagels in the bagel basket, how many are you taking out? Because there's a baker's dozen. So the more bagels in the basket, the better the movie is. You want more bagels in the basket. So Cole took out three, uh, four. Actually, yeah, I'm going to change it back to a three, because I do enjoy what I could rewatch this movie and not get tired of it. Well, I'm, I'm taking out four, so there's nine left. I watch this all the time. It's just, it doesn't have the same whimsy as the first movie. And as I said before, that scene in the council with Clarence Clemens and all those other 80s musicians just always gets me. Where this one, it's just fun. It's stupid. There's, there's no profound moment. And the other one's a little more serious but they also, not dark where they, this one is dark and goofy they go through a change in that one too whereas this one is just kind of they do change but it's not only their skills really change they kind of have a midlife crisis in yeah. this where they grow the beards and they come back as men because finally they got to do it with the princesses like like where the first one just 
I don't I don't know. I guess it's that Fast Times at Ridgemont High Ferris Bueller feel that that it has where this one, you know, doesn't. Also, should have this flopped? Do you feel like this should have been seen by more people? Like Waterworld when when Dwight and I watched it last week, we were drained. That movie killed us. Where this one it was fun. It's still fun. Yeah, I think there's definitely, especially in the '90s, um, more people should have seen this. I felt it was, f- uh, it's fun. It has something for everyone to kind of take away from it. But how unfortunate is it that it came out two weeks after Terminator 2: Judgment Day? Oh, incredibly! And a week after Point Break. It had no chance. It had no chance whatsoever. Like when we talked about Last Action Hero, it came out a week after Jurassic Park. It's just a series of unfortunate events at that point. It's just one thing that we keep talking about is the marketing campaign. Like, they downplayed the marketing when everyone found out that Bill and Ted die in this. Maybe they shouldn't have, have, have showed Bill and Ted die in the trailer. Maybe that was their mistake. They could have. There, there could have been a better hook in the trailer. Honestly. Honestly, you could have got butts back in the seats in the 90s if you just showed Bill and Ted and just put Bill and Ted's bogus journey and just don't say why it's bogus. Yeah, it would have enticed the audience more. Uh, so, yeah, we've come to the end of the podcast. Next week, we are doing a movie called Meteor Man. <laughs> and my co-host is was on the... The first Summer Flopbuster, if you want to listen to that in our playlist, it is The Brothers Bloom. That was the first Summer Flopbuster. So if you want to know who that is, you have to listen to that episode, and I will see you next time. Cole, thank you. No problem. Cole will be back a few more times. In the future. (laughs) For Summer Flopbusters. He has at least two more movies he wants to do. Yes, I do. So yeah, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. At Writer Bagel Basket, that's at W-R-T-R, Bagel, B-A-G-E-L, Basket, B-S-K-T. Like us on Facebook. Email us if you want us to do something, a movie, a TV show, anything. We love to hear from you. That's writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. You can go to Curland on Film, subscribe there to get my latest film reviews and listen to the latest episodes of Writer's Bagel Basket. Like us, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, Google Play. Just leave a review if you like the podcast. And I will see you next time. I am Scott Kurland. Stay excellent, dudes. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Bye. (laughs)